Well, hello. Welcome again, everybody. Thank you for joining us for yet another edition of Stay Plugged In's SpinCast. Joining us today, we have Bubba Gatert, who is with the Varsity Esports Foundation. Hello. How are you today? I am great, Rick. Thanks for having me, sir. Glad yeah. to be here. We sincerely appreciate having you on. I am excited about this particular podcast just to get some additional information out to the schools in this area and specifically, um, you know, what is esports? How can it help their existing structure, uh, both administratively as well as obviously academically and uh, including students that have uh, some similarities in terms of liking gaming uh, socially or competitively. Mm -hmm. So kind of a lot there, but if you don't mind, why don't you just start off by telling us a who you are, how you kind of got into this space in general, and then what led to Varsity Esports Foundation and what they do. So kind of a long-winded question, but let's, uh, let's start with that. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about, talk about it. The really, um, my background is traditional sports. So 20 years with YMCA's, Parks and Recs, Chamber of Commerce, Sports Commissions. Um, dove deep into esports about three years ago. Uh, but my dad worked at Radio Shack when I was a kid. So that means I'm a nerd and a gamer, and I used to build computers and, and, and drive remote control cars all over the place at Radio Shack. And then over the years, just kind of used computers as a way to learn and, you know, ran bulletin boards back in the 90s and you know, video production and all sorts of fun stuff. But <clears throat> I mean, my, my background is definitely involved into gaming. I'm a I'm a nerd of nerds. I've played World of Warcraft since like 2004, December when it came out, off and on. Uh, I definitely like Call of Duty right now because it's fun. And I get to play with all my buddies from church because we don't get to see each other. <laughs> uh, we play just about every night. And our, our even our wives created a Facebook group, uh, say, of all of our <laughs> all our husbands are playing video games at night together. So. The church, churchly Call of Duty. Love it. <laughs> yeah, Love yeah. It. It's, it's our community group now. So, awesome. yeah. And really, so three years ago when I dove into esports, having uh, worked at a sports commission in Kansas City here and realizing, hey, part of, part of what my role was, was to bring in sporting events into town. So football, basketball, soccer, and uh, you know, help people stay in hotels and get facilities. And <clears throat> I realized hey, this could be something and there's a lot of events going on around the country. Let me, let me try to bring one in. So I dove deep into it. I even started holding online tournaments of my own through the sports commission uh, as the sports commission. And that built up to an event we hosted in uh, Kansas city in 2018. We had like 800 people and it was really fun event, but people could, people could come because they won on the online tournaments. Mm -hmm. So I got really just deep into it and I met a lot of people in the Kansas city area that actually were really heavily involved. We were real lucky here in Kansas city to have some big organizations uh, they're just renamed, but they're actually now called, they were Midwest Esports, but they're now called uh, Unified Esports Association. And they run about 150 events a year and they do a lot of different things. Uh, we also have a gentleman named Abdul Yahaya who runs Local Legends Gaming Truck, who also works for the UEA. Then we have the National Association of Collegiate Esports here run by Michael Brooks, which is kind of the NCAA of esports, but not a regulatory body, more of an onboarding process and kind of league. And then luckily we also have uh, the high school esports league here in Kansas city uh, that runs uh, with about 3000 schools across the country, 80,000 students. So we <clears throat> luckily got together and said, what is this? What is this? There's a need missing, uh, especially with grants and scholarships to help out low income students. 
Yes. Uh, there was a, there's a need to help out those kids in urban and rural that don't have access. The kids in the suburbs get it. The kids in the suburbs have access Their their property taxes help them provide, you know, opportunities and even uh, devices. Uh, but kids in urban and rural don't have access to the internet at home or don't have access to even uh, online learning at school. Um, for that matter, if you don't have that, then how can you have an esport club? So esport clubs is the big, big focus, and really starting that uh, the foundation was created in December of eighteen, and then I came on board last summer after like we needed somebody to run it full time, and luckily I've been in this world nonprofit world for twenty years, and I guess got a history in it, so I said I'll do it, and I've been having fun for nine months, just growing and learning and engaging all around the country and around the world, really. Um, with just supporting as many students we can to be a part of uh, scholastic esports. That's awesome. That's awesome. Number of things you you, you hit on there. Let's touch mm-hmm. on one. In terms of serving the underprivileged community, how, how, so tell me how your organization can help in that respect. So for administrators that may hear this locally, mm-hmm. obviously technology is here. Um, that is a big part of the employment opportunity. And as we continue to grow, obviously that's going to be an even bigger part of employment careers and so forth. So being able to get people involved, in my opinion, with esports, there's obviously the technology and STEM components mm-hmm. that go with it that I think are critical mm-hmm. from a learning perspective. So how do we get some of those, as you mentioned, computers, PCs, what can mm-hmm. they do at the local level to try to implement some of those clubs, teams, et cetera? Sure, Rick. At the local level is a level we work on every day. And we, I know the high school esports league onboards about 50 schools a week uh, with esport clubs. And that's why they're largest and longest running for since 2012. But we, we get a lot of inbound calls from high schools, middle schools and colleges like, Hey, we want to start a club and we hear about this and we want to do it. What is it? First of all, most of the questions are, what is esports? What are the benefits of it? And uh, those are always common questions, but we have an actual, what is esports free course that people can take on our website. Uh And um, the, 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 the questions usually are those questions. Um, What is it? How, how do we do it? How do we fund it? Um, What do kids do? Is it a distraction? Is there violence in it? So we get to talk about that stuff all day long and help people understand the benefits. So if you're thinking about local, uh, a teacher, uh, uh, administrator, a student, they're all, they all could be champions for their school. So we get calls from any of those at a, at a school or a school district or even a state. And they say, how do we do this? And I say, well, here's, here's benefits. Let me, let me, let me give you some numbers. Mm-hmm. We know that we know that we've looked at a lot of different research and we show that at least 97% of students uh, ages 12 through 17 play video games. So if we know that number, and we know that probably covers all the kids who are a part of our, our school activities, mm-hmm. whether they're football player or in drama or in band, those kids are playing video games. So meeting them where they are is really important. Yep. Now, there are a subset of students in schools who don't belong to activities. And we know this because when we have students start competing in esport clubs, we'll survey them and say, how, how many of you participate in other activities in school? And 82% of them say we've never competed or never wow. participated in any other activities in school. Wow. So what you have, and me, and I'll take this back in traditional sports. For me, understanding uh, the kind of 
school and club nature of sports, traditional sports over the past 40 years, less PE, less, uh, you know, opportunity to learn physical sports over the years has, has um, grown this subset of kids who don't have belonging and don't have an activity in traditional sports. So when there's, when there's less PE and there's less, um, you know, students being engaged with a new activity in PE, like let's say they do a football week and they, the PE teachers teach them about football. Well, that student has the now like, man, I think I want to try it for football next fall. <clears throat> well, if you have less of that, they're not engaging and trying out. I mean, this is data that's coming from the National Association of Sports Commissions on, on PE compared to what's happening in the club space. So when you have less kids trying out, you have less kids participating, and you have more kids growing the, uh, the subset of kids who don't have anything to do. So, yeah, you have those kids uh, going, those high-caliber kids going to play club sports, and then you have – you know, then it, in turn, you have stipend coaches coaching football rather than a teacher or a full-time coach. So all these things have started to weigh over the past 40 years. And we look at colleges, they don't recruit from high schools as much as they do as club sports like AAU, USA. So there's, there's all this dynamic happening. So then here comes eSports. These students, when we know all of them play video games, the football player, the valedictorian, Esports is designed in schools for those kids who don't have belonging. So if we know those numbers and we know about the kids who don't participate, now you come in and you provide team building, collaboration, a friend group, um, you know, critical thinking, and they're competing and playing together against other schools. So you got, you got camaraderie, you got jerseys, and we got 10 kids, let's say, in a, in a, in a, a club. Well, two or three of them aren't really the gamers. They want, they could be a shoutcaster, a commentator, or the audio video, or the IT kid, or whatever it may be. Just like in traditional sports, you got a, a stat stat kid marking down stuff at the basketball game, water boy, towel boy, equipment manager. You have all those things. So, this is what's been beneficial, and it's meeting kids where they are, like I said. But that that subset of kids who is now we're helping shrink those kids no matter what the activity is, right? It, 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 if you're giving them access to a friend group, you're eliminating the opportunity for them to hurt themselves or hurt others, really, if you think about it. So it doesn't matter what the activity is. It just, they all play games. And, and in the club, lastly, there could be a football player and there could be a valedictorian in the club, in the esport club. But it's, 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 you know, it's designed for those kids that don't have anything else. And then you know, it doesn't, it, it's, I get a lot of conversations with, um, you know, sports folks and they say, well, you're just taking kids away from our traditional sports. Well, look at, look at all the kids we just talked about. They right. could be a part of it, but it's not, it's not the only thing you're doing because they're already playing games. Right. So it's a, it's a fun dynamic. And I'd say with all this stuff, we provide grants and financial assistance for those schools. If they are title one or free and reduced lunch or in low income areas, as well as for nonprofit organizations like YMCs, Boys and Girls Clubs that want to do clubs. Mm -hmm. So if they, if they are kind of meet that criteria, we will support them financially through donors and grassroots efforts. And, um, you know, if a school is 50% free and reduced lunch, so they 50% of the kids are on free and reduced lunch, and it normally costs, let's say, 40 bucks to play in a league, like the high school esports league, to compete. Mm -hmm. Well, then it's now it's 20. So you don't have, you pay less and it's just, it's, 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 it's what we do to support those rural and urban schools. And then lastly would be equipment. 
um, we always start with organized play is important. Get a, get a few kids together and get some Nintendo Switches and play Super Mario Brothers, have a tournament and raise money for your local hospital. Like do that as a school first to see, engage your administration to see how beneficial it is. Right. And then do things like our free curriculum, which I can talk about, and then join an esports club. And then if you need support, we've got support for you. That's great. That's great. That's astonishing. 82%. That's a number I would have never even fathomed. So um, awesome to have that opportunity to include those kids that obviously aren't a part of something. And that helps, I think, with everything, attendance, academics, et cetera. So um, talk about, help me combat some of those um, preconceived notions that parents and or administrators have in respect to violence in esports mm -hmm. and some of the games that are actually available. Uh, most people probably just kind of see something on the news and assume across the board that's what it is. But why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the games that are out there? Yeah, well, uh, really in the competitive space for schools, you, you have different leagues who have uh, similar offerings or low amount of offerings. Um, our partners at the High School Esports League actually offer 14 different games that students can compete in. And when we look at the games, you've got, you've got the Smash Brothers, you've got the, um, you've got the Fortnite, you've got the Call of Duty, but you've got things like Rocket League and Minecraft. Mm -hmm. So schools have the ability to choose what they want to do uh, and what games they want to play. And that's why the bottom-up approach works for leagues like HSCL and, and what we talk about. Because if you have a state sanctioning saying you must only do these games, not everybody wants to play those. It's just like it's just like uh, in band, you know, you don't sanction, you don't sanction flute only. You, right. Kids all have different things. And really esport clubs are more like track. You know, every kid, ha you know, like some of them are 100 meter runner, 400 meter runner, long jump, shot put, whatever. So kids have their different, their goals and their different uh, needs. Um, but when we look at what games are available mm -hmm. and we think about violence in schools, violence in video games and violence in teens, are they really correlated? Well, we know they're not because we have Oxford studies and we have the American Psychological Association studies that say there's no link between violence in video games and violence in teens. And we worry about, you know, shooting games in school. What's crazy about it is we actually see a benefit of having uh, those games like a Fortnite or a Call of Duty or Rainbow Six Siege, which is one of the top games. Rainbow Six Siege is the most played competitive game in high schools across the country. Wow. Because it's it's a five on five game where you're breaching a house just like you would if you're on SWAT or you know you're on in the military and it is a it is a very competitive game and it's I mean think about the critical thinking and what you need to do I mean I know military uses games like that to train their military um, sure. personnel so it's funny because we see like oh loud people say loud things that video games are bad. Mm -hmm. um, and we perpetuate a society that kids stay in the basement, drink Red Bull, eat Doritos. But we have all this data and all this proof that clubs for kids is important and healthy and helpful. And it gets them out of the basement. It gets them uh, at home eating healthier, eating with their family, doing their homework because they want to get their grades up so they can compete just like you and I would when we wanted to have good grades to suit out. It's all yep. the same. It's all the same thing. Yep. So violence wise, when parents are worried ES, ESRB ratings are there for a purpose. Like, yeah, don't, don't let your kids play a call of duty game if they're 10 or, or eight, 
um, they should be playing something like Minecraft and learning and it could potentially be a coder. My 10 year old loves Minecraft because mm -hmm. he loves to code. And those, those are things really important for me, I think for his long-term success. Sure. Um, but I say, I'd say lastly in all this, choosing the game that works for your school is really also choosing a game based on what your kids want to play. We always right. ask that, like, you know, engage with your kids and say what they want to play and what they play. They, they may play Madden and that's it. Well, great. And they, you may save some money because they have Xboxes and Playstations they could bring up to school and they could all compete together and even play online. If you allow your IT you know, director to say, okay, we can break, we can open the firewall for this room to play video games. So there's a ton of information out there and we have a lot of it and we want to share it and make sure people are aware, but it's really about esports literacy when it comes down to it. Yeah. Understood. And I think it creates a unique opportunity, frankly, because at the end of the day, kids are going to play the game, whether it's in school or at home. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. the opportunity is to create a solid foundation through the school networks to say, well, this is the game. This is how you play it. This is what the benefits are of it. These are the good habits you can take and derive from this versus playing on your own at home against some stranger in Australia who, you know, who knows what they're doing. Um, so I think there's certainly a lot of advantages to bringing that to the school level um, and, and, and fostering those good habits, if you will. Um, talk a little bit about if most administrators are like me to a degree, they're going to wonder, well, I get it. Okay. Sounds like there's some positives, but I can't teach a kid how to play this game. I don't know how to play this game. What, where's the support there? What do you see? Um, happening from a coaching perspective, mm -hmm. I guess. Is, is there typically someone within the faculty or administration that, yeah, hey, I get this, I'll charge up with this? Or, and if so, great. But if not, where do we fall back on? Well, here's the benefit of esports in schools. Um, you know, one, what you mentioned, or I guess three things. One, what you mentioned is safe environments, mm -hmm. 100%. Safe environments with a teacher, learning healthy habits and uh, being part of a team uh, at school. Um, two, when we talk about um, the students having access, um, uh, well, sorry, what was the first what was the question? I'm sorry. In terms of coaches. Coaches, that's what it was, sorry. Yep. So the, the interesting thing about teachers teaching and coaches coaching is when we look at traditional sports or band, I mean, yeah, those teachers have experience in that. I mean, I, I, even, I even teach at a university because I teach refereeing and coaching because I've done it and I've been, I've, I've been doing it for, I've been teaching for seven years, but coaching and refereeing for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So I have the experience to teach it. Mm -hmm. What's really interesting about esports is you as a teacher or a coach don't need to know the games <laughs> because the kids know the games. The kids are going to teach them. The kids have already taught themselves the games. What a teacher or a coach needs to do is be a teacher or a coach in the sense of everything outside the game. Got that's it. one, that's one side of it. This, the, there, there is these sport clubs being a sponsor and being a supporter and helping a student um, deal with, deal with uh, a loss or a win or, um, or uh, other issues is, is highly important and engaging and helpful telling them they need to go left or right because they see you know, whatever happening in the game, they don't have to know that stuff. The kids are going to start figuring that out and work with other teammates on their team to actually coach each other. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we, we, we are happy to provide free curriculum uh, through uh, 
Dr. Christy Custer and Mike Russell out of Kansas who created the only free textbook for esports. It's 148 pages. It is a curriculum lesson plan for esports for high schools called Gaming Concepts. It is designed for people like me who are PE teachers uh, to have a esports after school program or a, a elective a credit class in their school with gaming as the focus. So it's college and uh, college and career readiness through the lens of esports. But it's not. It's it's only in the ninety hour time window you use in the class. It's eighty one lessons, so only in the ninety hour time. There's only twenty minutes of gaming, but the rest of it is analyzing. Or we have eighty one lessons that are about health and wellness, exercise, um, college readiness, how to build a router, how to build a computer, mm-hmm. and it's designed for people with a rudimentary knowledge of computers, not people who are gamers it's the if you look at the people who the teachers i think there's about 100 schools who teach that curriculum around the country right now as an actual program um many of them are gamers uh the 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 curriculum itself is on the only curriculum for esports on microsoft educator um and it has been downloaded like a hundred thousand times in 40 different countries because we all just want to provide it for free and when you look at these levels of who is engaged as a teacher or sponsor or coach compared to a, you know, actually then using curriculum or then even going on to competing. The benefit here is for you, Rick, as administrator, anybody who just has an interest in supporting kids could be a part of that esport club. So isn't that everybody, right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And I look at it too. You make an interesting point. The kids will figure it out. You know, I've got kids that play video games and automatically they may download the game onto their system and they start playing right then and there and they figure it out. Like you said, it doesn't come with Mm -hmm. instructions per se, but we'll play a board game on Friday night and we'll take 20 minutes as a family, just kind of perusing through all those instructions to make sure we're playing it the right way. So big difference in respect to how quickly they're able to pick up that video game, plug it in and immediately start playing it. And through, practice is where they're going to get exactly. better, better well to this to this point rick is esports mm-hmm. we we i mean i was just re-watching for the 800th time the espn commentators laughing about esports over the past 10 years and um the idea that you know uh, what was the it was the newspaper caption it was uh four cells and one cell was a kid um you know at in his room looking at his TV screen or his computer screen, watching another player on the screen playing a game, and the dad walking in like, "What are you doing?" A third cell, uh, you know, him saying, "I'm watching a, another kid play video games," and the dad going, "That's lame." And then the final cell is the dad sitting on the couch watching football. <laughs> so, when, to make that point is also kind of to think about. I mean, I have a friend who learned how to play golf because he watched Tiger Woods. So if we think about like kids get online to watch other players learn. I, I, I watch Call of Duty players play so I can, oh, I didn't know I could do that. But I, how, many to, I've, how many times have we watched YouTube to learn how to fix something in our house? I mean, I've, I've watched uh, the how to install a dishwasher right mm-hmm. as I was installing the dishwasher and yelling at my uh, dishwasher as I put it in. But we're, we, we, we have visual learning, right? So yep. um, the, the, when you talk about the kids learning it, they're also going on YouTube and Twitch and watching uh, not only gamers, but entertainers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find value in that. And so 
that's the the fun part about esports and gaming is people can learn so much from others. And just as much as uh, a baseball player watching a guy pitch and watching his stance and everything, it's it's all it's all similar. Uh, it's yep. just it's a, it's a own lens, right? Yep, yep, no doubt. And I think it's important too. I think uh, a lot of schools, you know, who may be approaching this, may be wondering, well, how does this fit in, and how can we make this work? Uh, you spoke about the curriculum. I know I had uh, Dr. Christie and Michael on here mm-hmm. um, a few weeks back, so I know quite a bit about what time and effort they have done in terms of putting together that curriculum. And I think it's a win-win. I think if you take advantage of setting up the foundation in a, in a forward thinking manner, as opposed to just, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to put a club together and throw it out there and let's run with it. But if you really take all of the pieces and components and put together a full esports curriculum club, um, where students will get a lot more out of it than just the great stuff they get out just from being part of the social gaming club, if you will. But mm-hmm. on top of that, the academic portions of it, you know, that's a, really a win-win, not just for the students, but for the school as well. So um, for people that wanted to look into a little bit more detail, hey, what are you guys about? Where can we find you? Uh, online, things of that nature. What's the easiest way to get those resources? Yeah, you can go to varsityesportsfoundation.org. So it's all one big long word, varsityesportsfoundation.org. And we have tons of information about what we do, why we help low-income students, why we provide grants and scholarships for students to go to college. And we just want to tell people like $80 would support uh, one student for a semester of being a part of STEM learning activities. Well, we're, we're STEM accredited. We're the only nonprofit esports organization STEM accredited. And we partner with STEM accredited uh, folks like HSCL and Mike and Christie, who have the only STEM accredited curriculum in esports. So $80 supports a kid to be able to be involved in those STEM related activities, which is that curriculum and gaming and science, technology, engineering, math, all the aspects involved in esports clubs that support those kids later on. So yeah, check us out. Good deal. Then lastly, uh, in terms of growth pattern, uh, you said you've been doing it for just about three years or so. Talk about what it started like in terms of how many schools were interested in in partnering in then versus what you may be seeing. Mm -hmm. And I would suspect it's a substantial increase today. Well, long-term, short-term, and uh, like the last two months is all kind of interesting and relative. I mean, high school sports for esport clubs started in 2012 and that that was the kickoff point and this is why you also have college programs like robert morris or um uci like college programs were are, are now started because high school sports were started that pipeline was there we're all yep. about pipeline yep. um so i'd say 2015 there was 2013 there was 100 schools playing esports there's 36,000 high schools in the country mm-hmm. um there are 5,000 universities. I'd say, out of, out of, let's say with high schools, 36,000 high schools, there's only 3,000 schools that have clubs. Wow. Uh, it's not even 10%. The, the, for administrators out there and teachers, you think of 3,000 as being a low number, like, well, there's no way, like, oh, my school would do it. Well, take another point. There's 3,000 schools doing it and 50 schools a week partaking in onboarding in the process. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we look at, you know, was it 1,800 schools around the country maybe two years ago, three years ago we started wow. this? Wow. So it's a 3X, 4X kind of thing yearly in esports. Um, but then 
I, I identifiably here in the last two months. Uh, we know that there's still about two, three thousand, uh, about two, two, three thousand schools still playing and participating in spring semester online competitive esport clubs. Yep. Now they're doing it from home, but that's the benefit is you have the coaches can still get on Zoom calls and still coach their kids and connect with their kids. And it's one of the only activities in schools that actually beat COVID to be able to continue. Yep. It's hard to play football. You can do stuff on your own. You can Zoom call, but you can't play competitively. You, you can maybe right. have a, a violin competition, but it's just not the same as, you know, in person. So it is, it is stood the test of the pandemic definitely. And because of it, it's also, I mean, I was just looking at more numbers today and it is just I quintupled. I don't even know what the number would be. I don't even know, I don't know if it needs to be Latin or something. It's just huge, <laughs> but because the pandemic, more people are home yeah. playing games and more kids are home. But on our side for the foundation, that's where we want to come in and shape the industry and say, maybe it's not good to play 14 hours a day, even though you're home because school right. is out. Right. You need to play six or seven and be outside and eat with your family. So that's the other things that we focus on is all that health and wellness, digital citizenship, diversity and inclusion, cyberbullying, mental health. Those are important things to us yep. because no one else is really doing it at a national level. So we said, let's get all these people together and talk about helping um, all these students for sure. Cause they're the next generation and we have to shape the industry because we must, there's no ceiling. It's, it's growing exponentially and we're going to be too late if we, if we don't start now. Yeah, no doubt. And now is a, as good a time as any because numbers are through the roof in terms of kids getting online and playing games with all this downtime, et cetera. So I think it's a perfect opportunity to kind of marriage the two and say, hey, let's let's start building those good habits and foundations and try to get into as many um, homes as possible to educate mm -hmm. those folks as to, hey, this is really the right way of going about it. So last quick question and we'll let you go. We're pretty much up on time, but social distancing cup. Everyone's looking at the hat saying, okay, what exactly is that? Did you hear me on that? Social, yeah, I okay, did. Social, social distancing cut was an event we partnered with, with generation esports. They're the platform who runs a uh, high school esports league, middle school esports league. Um, they do YMC leagues and other things. Mm -hmm. um, the, so this was an event we partnered with. Uh, it started in April and just finished up last week. And we were a part of it because we brought in the, Hey, don't play 14 hours a day, but it was a free event for I think there was about 3,000 participants across the country wow. who played in free online tournaments. Um, and it was with a, with a queuing system, which is really cool because it was like tournaments can always be a struggle in uh, leagues and yep. especially online leagues. Uh, even, even all the leagues that I set up over the years with football tournaments, getting people to show up online is online and esports is much more difficult because uh, showing up to an online event, you like, Oh yeah, I don't want to play today or I'm sick or my kids are out of town or whatever. So mm -hmm. a queuing system is really cool with Generation Esports and what they created. We were on board because we're the nonprofit supporter of it. And what we did is we helped raise money to support Feeding America as well as Human IT. Human IT is a organization that refurbishes computers and gets them out to low-income students and kids. Nice. So that's a big, big partnership we have with them uh, to support what they're doing across the country. And they also provide low internet, uh, low cost internet access. So that's all, that's all the stuff we do. And we, we would, the more bandwidth we have to support, the more kids yeah. we can support. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay. Well, Bubba, thank you so much for joining us today. We sincerely appreciate what you do, first and foremost, but we appreciate you coming on, certainly, and hopefully uh, a couple members of our audience uh, got some good bits of information and may follow up with you. So, again, appreciate Please. it. Hope you stay safe and let's definitely keep this uh, line of communication on down the road. I think the more and more we can at least let people know what's available and what is out there um, from a community perspective, I think the better we all are. So we sincerely appreciate your time. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. You got it.